0: The National Desk Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jeff Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 10 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. New Jersey governor and one time Republican presidential candidate, Chris Christie says he's not done with the life in politics just yet. But what that looks like moving forward is not exactly clear. He has spent the past year writing a book, thinking about the future after a near death experience with COVID. And oh, yeah, he drove a U haul truck halfway across the country. Joining us right now, former New Jersey governor Chris Christie and author of the new book, Republican Rescue, saving the party from truth deniers, conspiracy theorists, and the dangerous policies. Of Joe Biden, there you see the book cover right there. Governor Christie, welcome to the national desk. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. Good so, to be here.
0: So we do have one thing in common because I, ha- I too have driven a moving truck, a Penske truck, when I uh, when I moved after graduating college. And you drove a U-Haul to move your daughter to Chicago this past spring. And uh, I read you got noticed a lot, especially at the toll booths.
1: Yeah, it was uh, at the end of the Ohio Turnpike. Uh, I didn't have Easy Pass because I had the, the U-Haul truck. So I was paying with a ticket in cash and the, and the toll taker said, has anyone ever told you you look exactly like Chris Christie? And I said, yeah, a lot of times. And she said, well, it's uncanny. And I said, well, I am Chris Christie. And she said, well, what the heck is Chris Christie doing driving a U-Haul truck across Ohio? And I said to her, ma'am, I've been asking myself that question since I left New Jersey at six <laughs> o'clock this morning, but this is what fathers do for daughters.
0: That's right. Uh, also in your book, you talked about your COVID experience when you were in the ICU for a week. and. And I read that you went initially as a precaution, because you have asthma, and you went from feeling fine to all of a sudden feeling awful and thinking you don't want to die. What was the turning point for you in the ICU?
1: The turning point was, I think, and you know, you'll you never know, right? But I think that it was when I got the monoclonal antibody cocktail. Um, that happened about a, a day and a half or so into my stay at the ICU. And, and uh, within about 24 hours from then, it turns from going, getting worse to getting better. And so I'll always think that it was that treatment that uh, got me back on the right track because those first couple of days were, uh, were difficult and scary.
0: Yeah. And have you since had any side effects or, or been reinfected?
1: I have not. Um, I've been, uh, vaccinated, uh, three times now. I got my booster shot about a week ago. Uh, so far, haven't had any reinfection and haven't had any side effects. I had some fatigue for about two months after the infection passed um, and some crazy dreams, um, which apparently is also one of the side effects of it for some folks. But luckily for me, no long COVID type of symptoms since then.
0: Yeah, and also read that uh, you said over the summer that vaccine hesitancy among people is because the government is creating this order where people might be willing to get vaccinated, but they don't want to be indoctrinated or ordered to do so. So should we have a federal mandate requiring private businesses with 100 or more employees to require vaccinations?
1: Absolutely not. First, I think it's illegal. Um, I don't think that uh, the president's order will, will be stand up in court um, because I don't think that OSHA, who he uses to do it, has the illegal authority to do it. But secondly, it's just a bad idea. Uh, my experience has been with a number of friends of mine who have not been vaccinated, that what they really want is to understand and feel comfortable Um, that the benefits outweigh the potential risks. And for that, the government has lots of evidence, and they should be presenting that evidence calmly, coolly, and without ordering people to do things. Listen, this is still the United States of America, and we all believe in our personal liberty, and people just don't like a government telling them what they have to do. Uh, And in this instance, I think it's been a big mistake by the Biden administration and has added to vaccine hesitancy rather than diminishing it.
0: I want to talk about what happened this past election where we saw the GOP flip the state of Virginia. Even in your own state, the governor's race way too close. We saw a truck driver who ran as a Republican to unseat the number two longtime Democratic New Jersey Senator, Stephen Sweeney. Can we expect a red wave in the midterms? And what happened in your state?
1: Well, in our state, what happened is what often happens when Democrats are in trouble in a blue state like this. They overtaxed and overspent. And the, the people in New Jersey were very angry about it. So we won seven seats in our House. We won a seat in our Senate, the one you just talked about, um, down in District 3, where the Senate president used to uh, preside. And uh, we came within three points of winning the governorship. Uh, polls were telling us that was a 12 to 15 point loss. That's what happened in New Jersey. And in Virginia, I think Glenn Youngkin ran a campaign that talked about tomorrow and not yesterday. Talked about you know cutting the grocery tax. Talked about parents being involved and having parental choice in education and creating jobs in Virginia. Um, That's the stuff we should be talking about. And I do think that you're going to see a red wave in 2022 if, in fact, we talk about the future and we don't dwell on the past. Dwelling on the 2020 election um, is a pathway to losing. Talking about what the Democrats are doing, how we want to stop them, what our alternatives are, is the path to winning.
0: And I want to talk about something happening um, today. President Joe Biden speaking with Vladimir Putin as concerns grow now over the troop buildup on the Ukrainian border. Governor Christie, specifically, what should the president say on this call in order to de-escalate the situation? And what is at stake if Russia does invade Ukraine?
1: Well, look, it will be a huge step backwards. And specifically, the president should lay out um, an entire laundry list of steps that he'll take against vladimir putin personally his his allies and oligarchs who hide his money um all around the world um, and we should be going after their money and vladimir putin's money which he's stolen from the people of his country uh, and lives generously off of you know this is it's time to start to getting personal i write about this in the book in the chapter that i write about russia and china what putin cares about Is his own personal well-being and the well-being of his rich oligarch friends and we have the tools the ability to freeze their assets all around the world that's what we should be doing tell putin you go into ukraine and your money is going bye-bye
0: all right and before i let you go uh governor christie you have said in the past you have not made a decision about your political future what do you want to do
1: look i'm gonna this year what i want to do is help us win Governor's races. I'm co chairing the fundraising for the Republican Governors Association, which I chaired in 2014. They've asked me to come back and co chair their fundraising and look to help them raise the money they need to elect Republican governors. And I'm co chairing the Republican redistricting effort in congressional districts all across the country with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So I want to help other Republicans all through 2022. And then when that's over, we'll decide what my future is. But everybody should be focused not on the last election but on the next election. And the next election is not 2024, it's 2022. We win back the House and the Senate and we'll stop Joe Biden's agenda in its tracks and then get positive momentum going towards 2024.
0: If you do not run in 2024, who should run for president on the Republican side?
1: Much too early to tell at this point. Um, I think anybody who believes they have something positive to add to to the national discussion who can make a real difference as president, sees a pathway to winning. Um, those are people who should offer themselves up as a, as an, as a, as a choice for the people of our party. Um, I don't believe that, uh, you know, we should be focused on any one person. We should be focused on what our message is going to be, and then have the voters decide who would be the best messenger to take on the Democrats. We see elections have consequences, and those consequences have been pretty dire in the first 10 months of Joe Biden's administration. So we can't give away another election like we did in 2020. I'll
0: throw out the new book, Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, we appreciate you joining us. And I'm sure I'll see you in a U-Haul if you have to go and and pick her up from Chicago and bring her back home.
1: (laughs) If she wants me to, you know I'll be there.
0: Good for you. Thanks for joining us. That's Episode 10 of The National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for The National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from The National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.